Oh, man, I hate Mondays. Nah, man, it's Tuesday. Wait, 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 what day is it? You know what day it is. Tuesday. Bruise Day Tuesday. Oh, fuck yeah! It's time for Bruise Day Tuesday. Brought to you by the Cellar and Six Pack Store. Here's Drez and Big Nate. <laughs> oh, I got mine. It is Bruise Day Tuesday, brought to you by the Cellar Restaurant and Six Pack Store in downtown Blacksburg. Uh, that sound, I mean, I guess sometimes we have corks on our beers, uh, but you're going you're gonna to want one of these ones, Nate. That yeah. one is... That's, I thought I had it. I was overconfident. I mean, you got to be a real man to pull it like that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. So we have uh, Adam Ferris from uh, Ironheart uh, Winery. Also, uh, well, I guess we'll get to the other part of it, but you have a distillery down there as well. But uh, Adam is in the house, so we are in Studio B. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having and me. Thanks for bringing the wine. So we... Uh, we, we did have three bottle openers, but one of them is, I mean, what is that even style? I don't know. Oh, man, Nate's going to need help with this one, too. Good Lord. <laughs> oh, so Nate. Just, oh, okay, so I didn't see that that clicked in. That is nice. Yeah, there you go. Uh, that needed help. See, that's the style that I had over here, but honestly, the ones I'm used to are the, what are you, the... Oh, the, like the rabbit ears? The rabbit ears, man. I think those are the easiest. Those are the... Yeah. Those, you just spin it in there, but it works. For... for Women and beginners. Yes. We, we got one of those. Uh, <laughs> we need to get one of those. That's, Battery-operated that's ones. I should have brought it. Yeah. That's advanced, though. I don't know what kind that is, but I have two of them, and I'm like, these are worthless. I don't know if I've ever actually a- opened a bottle of wine with that kind, so, where it's just a straight, you screwed in and pull. Yeah. So I had a keychain that was like that, uh, and I guess yeah. for in a, in a pinch, you could use it. But if you have to, if you have no leverage and are just pulling the cork straight out I mean it is really yeah I was, and, and I think if I was standing up and I had had more room I could have done it but like all that was flashing in my brain is I'm going to punch myself in the face yeah with a sharp object and, and this is going to be great yeah. yeah that's essentially the ones that you'd see on like a pocket knife like right. a Swiss that just has the little corkscrew it's like alright it can get you there but you're going to have to work for it yeah. so uh, I guess we could just go through uh, I have the Vidal Blanc that uh, oh. you handed me, Virginia Wine 2019 is what this year is. So I'll just pour me a little it's bit. The Gandhi Dancer. Gandhi Dancer. What can you tell me about the uh, the Vidal Blanc? Yeah, so Vidal Blanc, right? That's yeah. That's right. I mean, yeah. you can put a little French twist on it. If you yeah, want there we Vidal go. Blanc. <laughs> <laughs> so we offer uh, ten different varieties of wine, ranging from dry reds to sweet whites. When people come to the uh, vineyard, we want to make sure that we can put something in their glass that they'll enjoy. Um, it's not important that you drink a specific wine. It's just that you find something that you like. So you've got our sweetest wine option. It's much like a Moscato-style wine. So it's like 7% residual sugar, lots of peach aroma and flavor. Mm. Um it's sweet, but it still has a lot of great acidity, so it's pretty well balanced. So it's not like cloying. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I do like. I, I generally like the sweeter ones. That's why I grabbed this one. Now over you, over there, Nate, you got something red. The Cab Franc, the uh, Rattle Her Hawks, which is a uh, 2019. And uh, if you're watching the video, you can see it. But uh, I'm not going to go ahead and pretend to be an expert. We're going to defer to the man <laughs> with the mustache. Yeah. I mean, what man with a mustache doesn't know what he's talking about, right? It does make someone more authoritative, like uh, especially Sam Elliott. I would follow him anywhere, yeah, right. especially stash like that. That is that is a quite the impressive Thank mustache, you. sir. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it would be a shame to not share this with the world, right? <laughs> if you could do it, 
do it, you know? I mean, I wish I could grow one of those big old bushy thick beers, but I, all I get is the goatee. You know? Right, right. But yeah, uh, I think you've got a mustache in a making there. It's, it'll get there. Maybe one day. Yeah. Maybe one day. Yeah. <laughs> so, I usually uh, change it up every few or a few times throughout the year. So my wife will get really irritated and I'll shave it off and grow a goatee and then eight, eight weeks later, shave it into a mustache. I think we're 12 weeks into this one or so. Yeah. 12 weeks. Yeah. I think I'm 12 weeks into my current facial hair growth. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. Like, I actually, I shaved for the first time since I've known my wife for Halloween last year. And it was, she didn't take too kindly to that. <laughs> that was, that was an alarming shaven. day when you walked in clean shaven. I was confused. Yeah, when, you, when you've essentially had the same facial hair. Like, I remember when my dad, my dad had a mustache my entire life. And then when I was like 15, he shaved his mustache. And we were all like... Who is this man? Yeah, it feels like a stranger. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's really amazing. Especially something as prominent as yours. I could only imagine. But well, I like to mix it up. It's like my only accessory. I can't really carry like a handbag, or I don't really wear jewelry. (laughs) And so my mustache, my facial hair is the only accessory I can change. There you go. But you definitely people definitely treat you differently when you have an enormous mustache, though. I can imagine. (laughs) It's 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 weird. Commands respect. Well, like if you if you're rocking a huge mustache. And you go over to like Virginia Tech and have lunch at you know fast food restaurant or and there's a big crowd. Mm-hmm. You can walk right through them. <laughs> like they, they, the, the, the seas will part. It's an authority thing. Like oh look at this guy. Yeah, like this dude is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> He's clearly got bigger stuff going on. Let's let him get on like, his way. Get out of the way and let him get to his burrito. You know, like <laughs> I mean, it's 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 a real thing. Oh, that's funny, man. <laughs> So, uh, what, and cab what, Franc. yeah, the cab yeah. Franc. Oh yeah. We didn't even get to finish with that Sorry. one. So, uh, yeah. Give us the rundown yeah. on the cab. <clears throat> so we grow a lot of European old world varieties on the farm. Cabernet Franc being one of those. Uh, Cabernet Franc is a variety that typically is a blending fruit. So in other regions, you won't see it bottled as its own variety. It'll be in with, um, in like a big Bordeaux blend with Merlot, and Cabernet Sauvignon, possibly Petit Verdot. Um, but in Virginia, it grows really well. It's fairly cold hardy, meaning it will overwinter uh, colder temperatures, and it produces pretty well. It's got really nice uh, attributes in terms of flavor descriptors by itself, so you get a lot of really great jammy character. It's going to be a little bit peppery sometimes, a lot of dark fruit flavor, so uh, black cherry, plum. It is pretty heavily oaked, so you get a long-lasting vanilla note with some nice oak tannin in it. Um, it's one of our top sellers. So it's a lighter bodied red. I know you said peppery sometimes or whatever. So I guess similar to, I know when I think of different, obviously we mainly drink beer and there's different batches or whatever. And I'm assuming traditionally you do, it's it's an annual thing. Like, so this is the 2019 or whatever. So each year it's probably slightly different, right? Yes. Yeah, Depending so, on that, the grapes were growing that year or whatever. Exactly. You know, you hear people talk about different vintages of wine and and this vintage being like the highly sought after vintage. Mm -hmm. And it all has to do with the growing season. So, you know, how much rain we had in the spring, summer, and fall of the year. Was there frost damage in the spring or fall? You know, was there a lot of disease pressure? Um, So if the growing conditions are perfect, meaning you had, you know, fair amount of rain in the spring, but not too much, so you didn't encounter mildew, uh, decent sporadic rain through the summer and in a nice hot dry fall of the year and you're producing these big luscious grape clusters that are perfectly clean you don't have any blight which would be a mildew or fungus or disease uh, they're 
going to get extremely ripe, and they're going to the chemistry of that fruit is going to be superb. So, you know, the years where you have an extremely wet year, you'll be battling lots of fungus and mildew, and it's really difficult to get those berries to ripen all the way. So you don't get all of the varietal characteristics out of that fruit that maybe didn't didn't get ripened. So, so would you say it's more of a, uh, I guess humidity slash uh, wetness th- category rather than temperature? Because I was going to say, like, how did how would maybe having such a mild winter, I mean, it was, I mean, it barely got below freezing, like, yeah. you know, a couple weeks. Yeah. Is that going to, certainly that would affect the yield too, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, or would it just be you're starting mm-hmm. earlier, maybe stuff sprouting up sooner? Or? So in terms of the quality of the growing season, it's going to come down to, um, primarily moisture so how much humidity we do, did we encounter how many prolonged rain events so if we have a rain shower in july that's three hours and then the sun comes out dries it up it's gone no problem mm-hmm. when you have three to five days of continual rain or heavy fog where the where the humidity is 99 percent for a week straight that is when you really start to have problems. And so when you have really long, wet periods, it's, it's just miserable. You also need um, a lot of sunshine. So if you have lots of overcast days, uh, your fruit's going to suffer because you really need that canopy to flourish. You need the chlorophyll just to be booming and to put a lot of sugar into the fruit. So you need, you know, there's a lot of things at play. When, when it comes to um, this kind of fall spring that we had, you're, you're exposing yourselves in the vineyard to, the, to threat in terms of the plants are starting to awaken because they think it's time to grow. When you get temperatures that are consistently over 50 degrees at night, the plants will begin to bud. Well, in Virginia, we're guaranteed to have frost through the beginning or middle of May. Mm-hmm. And so when the plants are starting to bud now, you'll have, you could have an inch or better of growth by the time we get to middle of May and they'll be frostbitten. So as you kill that foliage that's come out, those are called the primary buds. The primary buds have the the best fruit. They're the rock stars. You'll get two fantastic clusters of high-grade fruit off your primary buds. Kill that bud, you've got a secondary bud. They may or may not give you fruit, and the fruit that they give you may or may not be of good quality. You can kill that bud, and there'll be a tertiary bud, and they're the flunkies. You're basically just growing leaves at that point. Mm. Uh, you might get a little fruit. It'll be a varying quality. And if you were to knock the tertiary buds out, there are other buds that will push from the, within the woodier parts of the vine. Uh, and so it won't kill the grapevine, but you basically have no hopes of growing any product. So, like, go ahead. I was going to say, so for your primary, if, if you know, you're sitting on that and then you check the four, would you just shit look at the forecast? Look, we got a cold snap coming. We need to get, get these now sort of a thing uh, act fast well or do you so in the spring of the year so grapevines are perennial they are uh, much like um, a small tree or shrub and they put out every year mm-hmm. so in the spring of the year they're starting to bud so that's the beginning of our growing season we won't harvest until september oh October. okay so there's really just nothing you can do nothing you can do so you see lots of people uh, around the world that will try to thwart that spring frost with the use of air moving machines. So they'll have big fans that will try to create a convection in the vineyard to mix the warmer air with the lower air, with the colder air. So cold air 
falls just like water would drain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you can create a convection, there's some hope to raise that ambient temperature some. There's also the use of smudge pots, which are just these very viscous candles that oh, put okay. smoke out. Hmm. Uh, and then some people will try to burn fires in the vineyard to actually get a little bit of radiant heat. Any other option is to sprinkle. So none of those really are good options. If you're going to experience temperatures that get like well below 32, you're going to be in like the 28 degree range, you're hosed. You cannot combat that no if it's going to drop down to 33 degrees and the the weatherman thinks that it's going to blip to like close to 32 right at sunup so it's not that the air temperature overall is not going to be below freezing but there's a fear that right at sunup it might freeze Mm -hmm. those are the instances where you can actually impact the surface temperature by half a degree which may or may not save some fruit Oh, my goodness. That's also a scenario where, like, if you go into our vineyard, the low-lying sections of the vineyard might be frostbit, but the high ground won't because the cold air ran to the bottom. So it's kind of a crapshoot in the spring. And I actually, I, I want to get some more details about the vineyard itself, but I just realized we still haven't even talked about what you're I drinking. I know, but we just got so much pour? science. Yeah, there's a, yeah, lot, there's a lot going into it, man. There's yeah. no doubt this it's quite the, uh, quite can, the endeavor. We can get really dorky about it. Yeah. yeah. And growing is the... Growing is the hardest part. I mean, that, that's, that is the, the part that you really don't have a lot of control over mm-hmm. in many ways. Mm-hmm. So, a third yeah. bottle, what do you have in your glass? So uh, we've got a 2021 Chamberson. Again, uh, this is a variety that you'll see bottled in Virginia frequently. Other parts of the world, you may not see Chamberson bottled uh, as its own variety. It's a really fantastic hybrid variety. So bo- uh, the variety that Nate is drinking is um, a grafted variety. It is uh, old world grape on American rootstocks. You're drinking a hybrid variety. I'm drinking a hybrid variety. Those are those are bread grapes that are basically intact. They haven't been grafted to another rootstock. Okay, um, I was gonna say, what do you mean by grafted? But I guess that's yeah. What so it is. Um, the old world grapes, they were exposed to a phylloxera when the conquistadors were traveling the world. I know that word, conquistador. Yeah. There we go. Now we're speaking uh, Nate's language yeah, over here. Yeah. And so all the old world grapes began to die from exposure to the phylloxera and a disease that brought with it. Um, they found that American rootstocks were resistant to that. So all of the old world grapes, meaning, you know, Merlot, Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, Chardonnay, they're grafted to American roots. So the part of the grape that is below the soil is an American native. Okay. And above the soil are the European varieties. Uh, and so, but the hybrid varieties like the Chamberson and the Vidal Blanc, those are bred. They're, they've been uh, bred to be resistant. And so they are uh, not grafted. They're on their own roots. Okay. But like this Chamberson is, uh, doesn't have any tannic acid on its own. It's uh, very juicy in character. It's got a lot of dark fruit flavor again, so plum and black cherry. It doesn't have a real mouth drying effect. I tell people it's kind of like a gateway uh, wine from white into red. Okay. Well, that's nice. So, yeah. I, I, I mean, it's delicious. I just poured more because, you know, I, no, there's a lot to talk about. You know, I have a lot of questions. We don't have too many. Uh, Sommelier? Would you consider yourself a <laughs> no. sommelier? Or what, what you, what's what's it called when you grow and make wine? Is there, there's got to be a name for Ventner. that. You're not a brewer, but you're a... Well, so I'm just a poor guy that owns the place. Right? <laughs> uh, 
or it, know, it owns me. <clears throat> but so I manage the vineyard. Okay. So I guess you'd call me a vineyard manager and kind of like an owner, owner operator. But we hire two awesome dudes to make our wine. Okay. So uh, Rick Hall and Jason Crawley out of Floyd. Uh, help me with the wine making process. Makes so sense. I can't, I can't claim that. That's outside of my uh, wheelhouse. Those fluid boys, they all got green thumbs, man. So it makes sense that that's <laughs> where they're from. Uh, so give me a little bit of background about the, the vineyard. So I've actually never been out there. I've driven by it a couple times. And unfortunately, it's always for when I'm going to the uh, New River State Trail to mm-hmm. do runs. So I'm not not like, oh, let's hop and get some wine. But uh, yeah. my mom's a big wino and I've heard multiple people say nothing but good things about the winery out there. And apparently, I, I know one of the things that my mom has told me secondhand, so it'd be cool to get it from maybe your house, but I guess there's a lot of just like cool history right, right. there on that, that land. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, you should stop. I know, I need <laughs> yeah. to stop. You really should. I need to stop. I'll just have a have a tasting and a bottle always, and then go run 20 I miles. I tell people, if you don't like wine, you need to try something at Ironheart because they are the gateway for <laughs> sure. Well, thank you. It is all quite the. Deli- I mean, the one I'm sipping is is very good. And and again, you know, I've my mom's been there multiple times, so I've had your stuff before. But uh, it is uh, it is very great wine. But apparently, the experience and even just going to the vineyard is is on a whole different level than a lot of the other ones around here. Well, so we're a mile and a half from the Alisonia access point to the trail, and the trail is the second most visited state park in Virginia, behind First Landing. So like over a million people a year will visit the New River Trail. It's 56 miles long. And so in the summer months, an enormous number of people that come by our farm by our farm, are going to or from the trail. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's uh, for a bike ride or for a run or just to walk it or just to see what it's about. And they'll stop on their way because we're right on the route. So, like I said, every time I go down that way, yeah. you go right by it. Yeah. So. And, the, and the most... I think probably the most iconic trestle on a trail is in Alisonia. Mm-hmm. So the the huge iron superstructure that you see in a lot of pictures when it comes to trail publications and marketing, that's, that's a mile and a half from our farm. Mm-hmm. So the farm's history is all in iron mining and smelting. The railroad ran right from where the trail is, right to the heart of our farm, up till Cervatus. And uh, from 1882 to 1906... They mined, heavily mined, the whole region. Um, There's a blast furnace that sits at the entrance of our farm, which you've driven by and probably seen it's a huge stone structure with a a brick chimney. And they produce like 19 tons of pig iron a day for, you know, the 20-some years that it was in operation. Uh, There were 20, or sorry, 63 tenant houses, four general stores, a hotel, post office, a grist mill, the iron producer, a sawmill. I mean, you name it. It was a whole booming little enterprise uh, during its life. And that history is the story of our brand. So we, you know, I grew up on a farm. I took it uh, for granted that everybody grew up on a farm (laughs) with uh, 150 years of history because, I mean— I think as a child, you don't really realize that that's a remarkable thing. I fantasize about your childhood. Oh. <laughs> Just like childhood envy. Yeah. Nate's well, a little jelly over there. Yeah, yeah. My dad can't grow a damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't start growing fruit until 2010. That's actually something we started uh, whenever I had to move away from the farm uh, to find work in Greensboro. I left college right when the economy was going belly up in 2007, 2008. Mm -hmm. And the only job that I could find with Volvo 
was in Greensboro. And then the whole four or five years that I was down there, I was like, man, I got to get back to the mountains. Like, this is just not for me. Uh, and then we decided to start growing fruit and it eventually progressed towards the winery. So when did the winery actually like we have its first yield and yeah. bottles, I guess? Well, we planted uh, the first 3,700 vines in April of 2010. 3,700. June, June of 2010. That feels so ambitious. Yeah, that was, that's a big number. I didn't well, expect it to be that high, but yeah, you, y'all jumped right in head first. Yeah, so uh, if you're gonna you know, do it, do it right. My father, who's no longer with us, he was just kind of like uh, that's how he rolled, right? So, if you wanted to do something, if you mentioned it to him, you better be prepared to go. Uh, and so, like you know, we were kicking the idea around. We looked at cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, cattle, and eventually arrived on commercial fruit production. And I was talking to Dad, you know, hey, man, this this might be something I want to look at. I went ahead and got a quote on the grapevines, um, but I'm a, a planner. Like, I like to pencil whip it. So I was like, man, I, you know, I don't know if this is going to work out. And then one day I got a call. He was like, hey, man, I went ahead and called a nursery. The plants will be here Monday. <laughs> <laughs> man, waste no time. Well, I mean, my father was 75 at the time, and I was 25. And so... Looking back on it, it was a remarkable partnership in terms of you've got this very youthful, ambitious, energetic boy. You know, 25-year-old's not a boy, but when you look back now, 25-year-old's a lot different than yeah. a 40-year-old. Mm-hmm. And you have this 75-year-old gristled up, salty businessman, right? <sighs> and so what I had in youth and energy, he had an experience and wisdom. And so it was just a remarkable tag team or duo. And so, you know... <clears throat> I think if my father hadn't just been like, man, pull the trigger, then we would have pumped the brakes and maybe not have done it because it's a lot easier to not act than it is to mm-hmm. act. And was it was it just grapes or were you thinking about other fruits as well? well we were looking. In, so um, we wanted to do anything that would allow the farm to become financially sustainable. So if that meant we were going to grow garlic, we would have mm. done that. Um, we couldn't figure out how to move bulk garlic yeah. consistently and reliably. There are wholesale markets but you know we just did something we didn't really want to do when we explored that and uh commercial fruit being sold in bulk is is pretty easy to get rid of because there are more wineries in the state of virginia than uh that the demand for fruit in virginia is higher than what's being supplied so it's it's easy to sell so do a lot of your grapes go you outsource them and and other wineries use them and stuff well so um we planted in 2010 our first harvest was in 2013. We sold the fruit, 100% of our fruit, for three harvests to generate capital to build our building. And we did weddings like crazy. So we did a lot of uh, farm stay rentals. We've had some uh, cabins or cottages on the farm that we'd been renting long-term. We transitioned those to short-term vacation-type rentals. Uh, we got into the wedding business, and so, we sold fruit commercially. At that point, before you're even making wine, is it still a vineyard? Because yeah. it's the grapes are growing there. That's what classifies right. a vineyard, right? So I could definitely see that, you know, people like to get married at a vineyard, you know? Yeah. Well, so uh, it's crazy. N- Nate's been there, and we thought, I thought as a 25-year-old, that the vineyard would be what everybody wanted to to see and be at. And it's really the water. So there's a stream that runs yeah. right through mm. the farm. We took pictures there. Yeah. 
It's, well, if it's beautiful, I, people people are drawn to water. Yeah, and uh, yeah, just naturally something beautiful. Something beautiful about that. Yeah. So I mean, you know, looking back, we could have done all of that without ever planting a vineyard, but that would have just delayed the progression into fruit sales and into wine. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we planted, set the vineyard out in 2010, sold fruit commercially, and then gathered the money through those fruit sales and weddings uh, to build the winery building. That's where we actually produce the wine. Uh, started to make our own wine in 2016 and then started to sell it ourselves in 2017. Every now and then, we'll still sell fruit commercially to other wineries if we have a surplus of fruit. Mm -hmm. Or in some instances, we've had some uh, winery owners that we are good friends with. We try to be very cooperative in helping to the farming community. And sometimes people in other regions will lose 100% of their fruit to frost and they'll call in a little bit of a panic and be like, hey man, like, I have zero fruit. Get some, yeah. And could you please sell me a portion of your fruit just so that I don't have a goose egg this year? And so uh, we've done some of that. We've helped other growers with uh, augmenting what they have, but we, we try to retain it all. And now that we have the distillery, we really have no need to sell any uh, fruit because we can take it all to either wine or to brandy. Mm-hmm. So I can't think of a better segue because yeah. that is where we're going next on the next round. But first, let's go ahead and go around. So uh, on the show, you know, usually we use the Untapped app and we rate our beers. Uh, obviously, are you familiar with the Untapped app at all? I'm not, but I'm guessing it's like Vivino. For I was wine. I was yes. going to ask if there was a wine equivalent, and I think I have heard the Vivino. So I think it's something similar. I'm not familiar. I don't have an account. I think so the I don't scale know. is the same. Is the scale the same? Point two five up to five or something. So that's fine. We can do that. Or I can use my wine rating. When I go to wine tastings and stuff, I have my own little scale that I write. So I do, it's, it goes from a negative up to a smiley face. So okay. negative, negative <laughs> with a circle around it, a, just a is circle. There, is there a conversion key a for plus, this? Yeah, it's, it's got a little bit of a thing. But uh, the best is a smiley face, and they're pretty rare. And... Um, it's crazy that I'm coming out with the smiley face, but this is definitely smiley face means I'm going to buy a lot of, I would buy multiple bottles of this wine. I can drink easily an entire probably bottle in the sitting. It's sweet. It's again, I, I, I like that. I'm, that's why I'm glad I picked this, this bottle. It definitely has that. Would you say 7%, 6% residual sugar? Right, yeah. So it's right there. It's got that right amount of sweetness that I like. Um, and even though it's, I would imagine probably usually you'd want to chill this, but it's not even chilled and it's delicious and going down, which also is, is says something about it. I've had two glasses because we've been chatting so long. It just goes down really, really easy. Uh, this is just, this is the, was it uh, Gandhi dancer, Vidal Blanc, Ironheart, man. This is uh this is delicious wine. <laughs> How are you feeling about yours, Nate? I mean, I, I'm hard pressed. Ironheart, I mean, is absolutely one of my favorites. That's kind of why I was so excited to have Adam on. Um, I refer to them as the gateway winery for very good reason. I think what they're doing there is very accessible, even if you're a casual wine drinker. Um, I'm going to – smiley face doesn't feel good enough. Uh, I'm going to give it a That's star because the the there's top. no star no, on no, your no, no. scale. You can't go above a smiley face. I'm going face. above. You can't go – you right, can't fine. do that. Smiley face you it is. You can only do a smiley It's face. delicious. I mean – I don't have, there's not a lot of styles of wine I don't like. I tend to prefer reds. Um, the wife prefers whites, but there's something in Ironheart's portfolio for everyone. And uh, yeah, smiley face all the way. 50 stars. <laughs> That's right. We're making our own damn scale. 
Hey, the Mario movie just came out. Might as well I did lots of stuff. Hey, it's a, it's a, it's a me. <laughs> All right. Well, um, as you uh, as you mentioned, you guys are also distilling. So uh, the next round, I'm really looking forward to trying some of that stuff. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll play a tune. We usually let our guests pick. I don't know if you're a rocker guy, uh, but if you got a rock band or song that you really enjoy, we could probably play that. And then we'll come back and uh, drink some some uh, I guess brandy. Yeah, man. It's always what's your go-to. Get put on the spot. Yeah, things. yeah. I like I to. I could have given you a forewarning, but I like it. I like to, you know, on the spot. I have no idea. Nate, you pick something for me. Oh boy. Oh, that's that's. Well, so, we could put. I mean, did, so my could, my current UB forty red red wine. Oh yeah. Well, I was thinking, what about the winery dogs? That's also a good choice. Would that not be way better? All right, go with winery dogs. We'll do that. We'll uh, we'll play some winery dogs. We'll come back. It's a special wine edition of Brews Day Tuesday right here with one hundred five point three. The Bear stick around.